pick up the reading of this passage from verse 40, that you might remember that the giant Goliath has come and has challenged the armies of Israel. He has defied the living God, and Israel has cowered for 40 days. David enters the scene and says, I will fight this giant myself. And uh, King Saul heard of this and invited David to come and to speak with him. And it convinces him that he would fight the giant. And that's where we'll pick up. Then he, that is David, took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The state said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into my hands, into our hands, excuse me, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and took up, stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath, and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sha'arim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. Then Saul saw when Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. 
So the, son, the king said, inquire whose son this young man is. Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of, Philistine, of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I'm the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. We've come now to the battle between David and Goliath. I hope that you can tell from the previous sermons on these passages that this isn't just the tale of an underdog who prevails against overwhelming odds. I hope you can understand that this is not a tale that's just going to inspire you to face your giants. This is something that is so much bigger than that. This is part of the story of God's redemption. In that light, we are going to, in a sense, look with our eyes and observe the scene and see what happens between David and Goliath. But even more important today, I want you to listen with your ears to what is said by Goliath and by David, and then listen to the lesson of this battle between David and Goliath. It teaches you that the Lord saves his people through his anointed champion. That will be initially David, but it as I said, this is part of God's story of redemption. And so I hope that you will find that it points to our Savior, Jesus Christ. First of all, I want you to listen to Goliath. I want you to listen to him as he defies the living God. Just to set the stage, let me remind you that in the last section we considered how David looked back by faith that he saw how the living God had been with him through all of his life. I look back in faith at the promises that God had made and how he had preserved him. And that gave him then the faith to look forward to what God was going to do through his hand. He could look back at the anointing that he received and look forward and understand that the Lord had raised him up for just this time. He was so confident of this, so filled with faith, that he even inspired the king of Israel, King Saul. He convinced Saul so that he would go and fight against the giant. And Saul even gave him his sword and his armor, superior weapons than anything that David could ever imagine to have, have, have held. But these were not weapons that David knew. They were not weapons that he was trained in or that he, was, that he trusted. So he took those that he understood. He took his staff and his sling, and along the way, he picked up the, those famous five smooth stones from the brook. With these, he had all the ammunition he needed. He went with them to confront the giant Goliath. And when Goliath saw David coming, he must have been, uh, been filled with, Finally, with enthusiasm, here's somebody to fight against. That's why I'm here. I'm here to smash the Israelites. And I've sent forward a champion. 
I can't wait to meet him. But what do I see? It's just a young man, a boy, coming to fight me? What an insult! And Goliath proceeds to do some serious trash talking, right? That's what we would call it today. But it's more than trash talking. That's why I want you to listen to what Goliath says. In verse 42, Goliath disdained David and said this, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? In other words, I'm a man. I'm a soldier. You aren't a worthy opponent to stand against me. I've been trained from my youth, and I and, and you think that you could come against me with sticks like I was a dog? Well, believe me, I am not a dog. And I am going to wipe you out. That's what Goliath said. That's not what all that Goliath said. In that realm, that's not some of that serious trash talking that, uh, that, that he would be very acquainted with as a soldier. But then Goliath goes on to curse David by his gods. And this really is one of those important points in this story, and it's what I want you to hear, not the literal curses. Uh, the scripture preserves us from the foulness of what Goliath might have said here. What we have instead is just that summary that Goliath cursed David by his gods, but this makes, uh, makes, uh, makes it known that the confrontation that's happening here is something more than just a battle between two champions. This is a confrontation between the God of Israel and the God of the Philistines. And that's why I say I want you to hear what Goliath says. I want you to understand this in the context of God's work of redemption that in its broadest sense is going to lead us to Jesus Christ. But in this narrow sense, there is... There is a confrontation between one God and another. And which God is the real God? So when Goliath cursed David, he used the names of his gods. And most typically, he was claiming that his God, Dagon, was greater than the God of Israel. And uh, that's going to be significant here in just a little bit. But you might remember Dagon. I'll give you a little foreshadowing. We met Dagon several chapters ago when the Philistines had captured the Ark of the, of the Covenant. They thought they had captured Israel's God and they took it to their temple, put it in front of their God to say, our God is greater. Do the children remember what happened to the statue of Dagon? It fell down in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Not just once, but it fell down again and again and it, its head and its hands broke off. But here's Goliath boasting that his God is greater. Keep in mind what happened to the Philistines' God. 
Then Goliath said, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the field. And just remember that Goliath was a trained killing machine and he planned to make short work of David. Goliath cursed David and he defied the living God. But now I want you to listen to David. We will observe what he does, but before we get to the battle itself, which, which lasts just a little bit of time, amazingly, listen to what he says. Listen to him as the Lord's anointed. Listen to him as he expresses the trust that he has in God as he goes to face the giant. David replies to the insults and to the challenge that David, that Goliath had, had given to him. And David replies not with trash talking of his own, although that might have been very tempting to do. Instead, David replied with a challenge that spoke prophetically about what was going to take place. This is something actually very typical of God's revelation. It is a mark of a prophet of God to tell what is going to happen. And then it comes true. And oftentimes in the Bible, the prophets will say, this is what is going to happen. So you will understand when it does happen. And then the event happens and the prophet speaks again and, and interprets it and says, I want you to know what just happened. And that's taking place right here in the midst of this dramatic battle between David and Goliath. He speaks prophetically. And he could do so because the Lord had anointed David to lead and to deliver Israel. God had anointed him with his Holy Spirit. That means that David had the authority to speak about this challenge. He had the authority of God's own spirit to speak prophetically about the outcome of this battle. He spoke by the Holy Spirit and he proclaims God's own perspective on the challenge and on the battle that was about to take. And he even explains why this is going to happen. And, and this is, is that work of prophecy laid out before us. This was to happen so that everybody would know that this was God's victory, that there is a God in Israel and that the whole world would know that the Lord does not need sword or spear to win a battle. This victory belonged to the Lord. So let's work through David's words. Listen to what he says. I've kind of explained it in summary, but now listen to how he says it. You come to me with a, a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies, the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David names the God that Goliath has defied. He names him as the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. And this title calls attention to just who God is. He was indeed the God of Israel and their armies, who is the commander of that nation. But he is more. He is also the commander of the hosts of heaven. 
He has unnumbered fiery angels and chariots of heaven at his command. Who is Goliath to defy the Lord of hosts? Because of this, David can look at the giant's weapons from God's perspectives. From a merely human perspective, we've noticed that they were very impressive. They struck fear in the hearts of trained warriors in Israel. His sword, his spear, his javelin were impressive. His armor was formidable. Human odds makers would have put Goliath's chance at victory at 99.999% chance of winning. But that's human's perspective. From the way David looked at it, though, this was no contest. God was on David's side. What chance did Goliath have against the Lord of hosts? The Lord had anointed David for this very purpose. And thus David says, I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God you have defied. And in saying this, David was calling on that God. He was invoking his presence and his promises. Those same, that same presence and promise that David had looked back on in faith. He could see that the Lord had delivered him, that the Lord had anointed him and appointed him for this very task, to redeem Israel from their enemies. And then David does go on to tell what was about to happen and why it would happen. I want you to listen again and hear it in, in that light of a prophet of God coming to battle and speaking about what was about to happen. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all of this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And that's exactly what happens. The battle is over almost before it's begun. David ran to meet Goliath. He ran to meet him as Goliath tromps towards him. And as he ran, he put a stone in his sling and shot it straight at the giant and it hit him in the forehead. And it hit him in such a way that it sunk into his forehead. The force of the blow and the, uh, and the guiding hand of God felled the giant, so they fell to the ground and David ran up and he used Goliath's own sword to cut his head from his body. Now remember, Goliath had cursed David by his god Dagon. And the same fate that had happened to the false god happens to that false god's champion. He loses his head. 
Now, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, fear came on them. And they turned and ran away. And the Israel army pursued them and routed them in a great victory. It describes how they chased them back to their own territory, to their own cities, and uh, then came back and, and gathered the spoils of war. And all throughout Israel, people began to marvel at David, to praise this champion that God had used to deliver them. And even King Saul stands amazed. And and once more, he seems to marvel. It's not like he had not met David yet. We know that he has. But it's like, who is this guy? Whose son is this that's going out, that's running to meet this giant? And when he finally comes back and appears before King Saul, David humbly answers that question. Saul asks him, so whose son are you? Trying to gain some understanding of this new champion in Israel. And David answers with humility, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. This could have been a moment for someone else to seize the opportunity to uh, to say, yeah, yeah, look at me. I'm here to claim the reward that you offered, and I'm the new man in town. But David understood. Even then, in victory, the victory wasn't his. The victory belonged to the Lord. So listen then to the lesson of David and Goliath. What are we supposed to take from this? We've we've taken our time through this whole chapter so that we could could meditate on all that God was doing. And we've taken time to set it in the context of the greater scripture and for specific reasons. And I wanted to do that because as I, as I've read and I've studied, I, I found some, uh, really fascinating suggestions about the lesson of David and Goliath. I read one that said, uh, those five smooth stones, uh, can, can represent five different principles, a way that you can defeat the giants that you face. And a, a five point sermon then ensues about those smooth stones. Well, I haven't gone that direction. As I said, what's happening here is is much bigger than that. It, it really is. It falls short of the enormity of what God is doing here. So I want to give you three. I resisted five. I want to give you three applications from this passage, three lessons from David and Goliath, as you listen to, to this account. The first is that David was God's anointed king. Each of these is actually going to draw on the whole chapter, and so you'll hear some things I've said before, but I want you to listen to them again 
to learn the lessons of David and Goliath. David was God's anointed king. It's true that uh, others could have taken courage in God's promises, that others uh, could have stood against the Philistines in courage. Uh, In fact, Jonathan had previously done the same thing, and the Lord had used him to, to bring a mighty deliverance. But remember what God said to Samuel when he sent him to anoint David. God said, I have provided myself a king. I have provided myself a king. Because God had a specific job and a specific man to do that job. God anointed David to this task. He anointed him to to lead and to deliver his people. He had sent Samuel to anoint him with oil. And then God himself anointed David with the Holy Spirit. And I, 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 I showed you the importance of that as David, as a prophet, would speak about the battle to come. But that anointing by the Holy Spirit was for the entire task. David was anointed as king as well. And as king, David came to do the work of a king. To defend and to deliver God's people from all their enemies. And to stand as a representative of God and of his victory. And to stand as a representative of the people to lead them forth in in battle against those enemies. And God in this way was appointing and anointing David for this purpose. He was equipping and strengthening him to deliver. And he came in the name of the Lord. That's what David said when he came to face Goliath. Goliath. You come with me, come at me with these weapons, but I come in the name of the Lord. And we could say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Can't we? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Israel would take up this praise of David in the coming chapters. Saul has slain his thousands and David is ten thousands. And then later Israel will take up this praise in, in looking to the king who is the son of David, according to the promise that, that God is going to make to David about the kingdom that would be his. And then later, those same words ring out in Jerusalem as Jesus Christ enters to die on the cross. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the son of David. Oh, save us, our Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And David stands as a representative of Jesus Christ. David delivered physically. Jesus, the son of David who came to deliver his people, came and delivered us ultimately from all of our sins and its penalty. And one lesson that we have from David is to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. To be moved to to glorify Jesus Christ 
for the great victory that he has won by coming and battling against Satan, by coming to die on the cross for our sins, because that is our salvation. We say blessed is Jesus Christ, the son of David, who comes in the name of the Lord. The second lesson is that this victory is a message of salvation to God's people. This is going to be a further application of that worship that we can give to him. David said that this would happen so that this assembly would know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. The question is, well, who is that assembly? Well, remember that that the two armies are camped on on hillsides facing each other across this valley. And that it's in that valley where Goliath came and for 40 days he issued a challenge against Israel and defied the God of Israel. And for 40 days, the Israelites cowered in fear because of that challenge. Well, those 40 days, uh, uh, maybe that rings a bell as well. You might think that it harkens back to the 40 years in the wilderness that the Israelites had wandered until they took possession of the promised land. Or maybe looking forward, it foreshadows the 40 days that Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. Whatever the case, there is something of a theater happening right here. And the assembly are the children of Israel and the Philistines. And the entire assembly would know that the Lord delivers and that he doesn't need the, the weapons of this world. For God is the Lord of hosts, and the victory is his. And David speaks in that same valley, in that same theater, so that the children of Israel would know where their salvation comes from. And they needed to know that their salvation comes from God. I like the way that Philip's the commentator summarizes this. He says that the message for the people of Israel, was that they needed a savior, which God provided by the man after his own heart. They needed a savior. They didn't need to go out and find their own five smooth stones. They needed God to deliver them, and so do we. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to preach on 1 Samuel. It expresses, it expresses that longing for a savior. It expresses a longing for a king that ultimately points to our need of a savior. Because we face an enemy greater than Goliath. And I've tried to impress upon you just how fearsome Goliath was and, and he was a terrible enemy, but the enemies that we face are far worse. They're nothing compared to the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. 
He is the one who, who has defeated sin and death itself. And he has redeemed us from that. So we can have everlasting life. And David stands then as a representative of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. And so listen to the lesson of David and Goliath that uh, that proclaims that salvation comes from the hand of the Lord, comes from our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, and recognize him as your Savior. The third lesson, then, is that the message was to a broader world. And it is something of a warning and an evangelistic message. Because David speaks not only to his own people, but remember in the theater that the Philistines were there too. And uh, they would have been egging Goliath on for those 40 days. And every challenge that he dropped on their heads, they would have been hooting and hollering in derision against the Israelites. And so David was proclaiming to them as well a message. This will happen so that all this assembly, and not just all this assembly, but all of the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. There is a God in Israel. You might remember that God had set his special love on the children of Israel. And it was through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants through whom Jesus would come and that that special love is designated upon the, the Jewish people and sets them apart. But it was always too small a thing that the Lord would just deliver Israel. So he said Israel to be a light in the world. That was part of the purpose. They weren't just supposed to be inward focusing. They were to be a light to the nations around them. A light to shine the way so that the nations around them would also come to worship and glorify the living God, the Lord of hosts. And in this decisive moment in history, David got it. And speaking by the Holy Spirit, he explained how this victory would be a light to the world, a witness to the watching world that there is one true God, the God of Israel. And in that proclamation, there is a note of warning. Those who resist the one true God will eventually fall. Just like Egypt did, just like Dagon did, just like Goliath did. And we would be wise to listen to the warning of David and Goliath. We would be wise in our country and as individuals to listen to this message and be warned that the nation that defies God will not stand, but will ultimately be called to account and will fall. But at the same time, praise God, the gospel message always also has an invitation to it, an invitation of hope and deliverance. God does warn those who don't repent that they will perish, but he also invites 
And the lesson of David and Goliath proclaims this in a memorable way, that the Lord saves his people by his anointed champion. In this case, the world came to know that that God had brought forward David. That David was, uh, was the champion for that day and for that physical deliverance. And David glorified God as the one who gave that victory. He didn't take it to himself, but instead showed that it was the Lord's victory. And today we do the same thing as, as believers and as a congregation. We also have something of the Lord's spirit upon us. Not something. We have the Lord's spirit upon us. And we have a commission by God himself to proclaim the same thing to the watching world. That there's a savior. That there's deliverance from sin. There's a warning and a call to repent, but there's an invitation. And we, like David, invite the world to listen to Jesus Christ as he calls. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are gasping under the burden of guilt. Come to me, all who are enslaved by besetting sin. Come to me for deliverance, is the message of Jesus Christ, the invitation of the gospel. And we can say that we have experienced that deliverance. We can testify to the fact that he is able to save to the uttermost, those who come to him in faith. For we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who died for us. He is God's anointed champion. So listen to the lesson of David and Goliath and proclaim that there is a God in heaven. That there is one true God in the church. That there is one living Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may be delivered by faith in him. I pray that you would listen well to this story of David and Goliath and learn these lessons well. The Lord saves through his anointed champion. Let's pray. Lord, we do bow before you today and bless you for you have delivered us from our sins. We praise you that we have salvation through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who has suffered and died for us and yet has crushed the enemy's head. And, O Lord, we thank you that that message of the gospel goes out to the ends of the earth and it will not be stopped by any weapons of this world. We pray, O Lord, that you would strengthen us and equip us to take that message with us as we go throughout this week, to take that message as we send out send out uh, uh, missionaries and ministers and congregations. We pray, O Lord, that you would be drawing men, women, and children to be saved by your anointed champion, the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's sing a psalm of God's victory. 
Psalm 110, Selection B. As a prophet, David speaks. He says, The Lord said to my Lord, uh, the Lord God Father, God the Father spoke to my Lord and Savior, the, the God Jesus Christ. And what does God say to the Son? Sit here at my right hand until I make your foes a stool on which your foot may stand. And it goes on, and we will join together to praise our Lord and Savior. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Please stand to sing.